Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Feel in the good presence of the Lord. Be seated just a moment. I'll have you stand for the reading of our text. But uh, I have been reminiscing this morning. And if I had my calendar with me from 1999, I could look and there would be marked off the dates first part of August, probably this weekend, 1999, was the first time that I had ever been here. I came over for a weekend and preached, and that has been 15 years ago this week. And uh, as I recall and uh, kind of rewind the tape a little bit, I remember uh, three little rigging girls they were just little girls back then, and I wasn't married, and uh, I was looking around here, all of these young people playing instruments, leading songs, and boy, that, we've come a long ways. We have come a long ways. I, I think uh, Jared was only about three when I, no, I'm teasing, amen, but it but it's been a long, long time that I have been acquainted with this church. And when I walked in today and began to look around, I see the good progress, amen, of the kingdom of God going on, new faces, amen. And we're just trusting God for good things, amen. Isn't it exciting to be a part of a revival church? Amen. It's exciting. It's exciting. Good things are happening. I pray to God you have baby dedication every Sunday. New families coming in all the time and looking around and realizing, you know what, we need to dedicate our children to the Lord. And uh, I'm so, so grateful to God for what we see around here in the progress and blessing of God on this church. So thankful for the Riggin family. Personally, they have been a strength to us. I cannot tell you how many times I have called him, hey, what do you think about this scripture? I'm thinking about preaching this. What do you think about it? Most time he there's a long pause and he says, uh, <laughs> well, no, I'm teasing. He, he's been a great friend. I appreciate his stance on the doctrine and uh, I appreciate his great scholarly mind at looking at scriptures and rightly dividing the word of truth. And we really, really do love the Riggin family. We really do. Thank you for all the kind hospitality, the very nice room, and the great meal last night, and we, we appreciate that so very much. I heard this said somewhere uh, one time. A man was staying at a hotel. He said, I'm telling you, it's such a great place. The towels were so thick, I could barely get my suitcase shut. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll try to leave a good reputation <laughs> at the... At the hotel, thank you very much for the kind room. <laughs> Amen. So good to have my family with us. Good to see my wife and Reagan here upstairs in this morning service. And if our kids downstairs break anything, we'll pay for it. Amen. But he did say we drove out here. And when we travel with our family, we do drive. Uh, they have one of those lists at the airport uh, the, the terrorist watch list, I think is what they call it. My kids are on that, and we don't get to fly anymore. <laughs> Amen. But we're so glad we all got to come together. Would you stand with us this morning? 
Amen. So good to see all the familiar faces. Amen. From the house of the Lord, longtime friends. Amen. John chapter number six. John chapter number six. And verse number 59. John chapter number six. Verse number 59. I got up early this morning, worked, worked, worked on something else. And then about the time I was getting ready to walk out of the room, it just turned to sawdust in my mouth. And uh, so we're going this direction today. Amen. John chapter number 6, verse number 59. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Let me tell you, it's still spirit and life. Amen. The Word of God. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe. And I like this next part. There's a lot of people, they, they claim that they believe. But this says, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. We believe and are sure. There's no wiggle room there. There's no hesitation. There's no reservation. Amen. We believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. You believe that this morning? You believe it? Are you sure of that this morning? Praise God. Why don't we just lift our voice and magnify God this morning? Thank you, Jesus, for your kindness to us, God. Help me this morning. Help me. I really need you. I love you with all of my heart. I love you. I love you. I love you, Jesus. Glory to God. I love you today, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You could be seated this morning. At its height in 1519, the Aztec Empire covered some 80,000 square miles in central and southern Mexico. And it ruled between 5 and 6 million people. That same year of 1519, 
a Spanish conquistador by the name of Hernando Cortez. He arrived to begin his conquest of that land. And as they disembarked from the vessels, there stood on the shores exactly 508 soldiers, 100 sailors, and 16 horses. Not exactly what we would call an army, at least one that was not likely to be feared by the most powerful nation of the Western Hemisphere at that time. But that's what they were. 508 soldiers, 100 sailors, and 16 horses to conquer all of the Aztec Empire. As legend has it, when he came ashore, he began to give a very moving speech about the conquest that was before them, what all they were going to do in the, uh, the name of the flag of Spain. And he tried to motivate them as they stood there looking at this vast land and this populous people and he was speaking motivating them and rah 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 cheerleading pep rally go get them beat them up make them wish they hadn't and uh, it was a very moving speech but there was nothing in his speech that was so motivating as those last three words when he turned to the sailors and he said burn the ships he wanted his men to fully understand that we have no exit strategy here we do not have a plan B there is no way to back out of this we have no more options it is victory or death we are not going to back out we're not getting in this just for a little while to see which way it goes. We're starting off in this to win no matter the cost. Amen. By 1521, just three years later, Cortez and that small army had conquered the entirety of the Aztec Empire. In three years, those 508 soldiers, 100 sailors, and 16 horses had completely conquered the Aztec Empire. What motivation, knowing we have only one direction to go? Let me tell you, it wasn't just them, not just his band, that were motivated. <laughs> but it had an effect on those people knowing our foe is not going to quit. Could we just send a little message to the devil today and let him know, we burnt the ships a long time ago. Let me tell you, it'll do something for you. It'll do something for the church. It'll put some determination in you. But it'll also strike fear in the heart of your enemy knowing they're not going to back up. The people that I'm up against, they're not quitters. Amen.
praise God. Three years is all it took for them to conquer five to six million people and cover 80,000 square miles. That is staggering. If you look just at statistics, it's staggering. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter number 11, verse number 1 says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Cast thy bread upon the waters. I remember reading this verse of Scripture when I was a uh, small child, and, and I would envision a man standing there on the riverbank or lakeside and casting loaves of bread upon the water, and uh, I, I could not see the benefit of soggy toast. I just I couldn't understand what in the world you would want that bread back for. But it said, cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. And I'm thinking, why would you go looking for it? <laughs> and who wants soggy bread? But allow me, if you will, this morning to read it in a couple different translations. It says, send your grain across the seas, and in time, profits shall flow back to you. Another one says, invest your money in foreign trade, and one of these days, you will make a profit. Amen. We know that this scripture is a call to charity and to giving, but it connotes, if I could get down to its basic language and, and, and explain to you what it's talking about. It's talking about an investor that puts an investment in a shipload of grain and he sends it across the seas, an investment. And after many days, he is standing there on the seaside waiting for that ship to come back because he knows there's going to be a profit in it. There, there's going to be some benefits. I've made an investment. Amen. It's kind of a call to get rid of the, the, the mentality of put all, don't put all your eggs in one basket. It's the countering of that. And it is put all your eggs in one basket. Invest because someday it's going to come back to you. Don't be afraid to give it your all. Someday you will be rewarded. Amen. You got to be willing to risk everything. That investor, as he sent that ship across the sea, he was real willing to risk everything to gain something in return. Praise God. I want to give you the title of what I want to preach about this morning. I want to preach about getting rid of the hedge fund mentality of living for God. Getting rid of the hedge fund mentality of living for God. A hedge fund, it's an offset investment. And I, I, I'm, I'm not an investor. I don't have good luck with those things. In fact, if I invested in turkeys, they'd cancel Thanksgiving. But I have read about this. I've read about this, that... That you, 
a hedge fund. You, you set this fund up. You, you put your money in a portfolio and, and you invest in certain things, but there are offset investments that, that you set up this hedge fund in case your main investment fails. You've got this, and, and they use offsets, and, and uh, I, I don't know a lot about it, and this may not be accurate, but it's the idea behind it is accurate. And let's say you had invested in oil, and that's a fluctuating market. It and and you wanted to insulate yourself from risk, therefore you would you would take and you would invest also in pork bellies. Am I the only one that grew up listening to AM radio and the market report? Anybody ever heard that pork bellies up for points? But you, you you would offset your investments that way. If your your investment in oil was was dropping, it, the, the effect is. If this drops in our market, this is going up. And, and if this is going down, this is going up. And, and you invest that way to insulate yourself from risk because you, you don't want to risk it all. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. What if this doesn't work out? I've met people that live for God that way. They've got a little hedge fund set aside just in case living for God doesn't work out. They're going to keep this little account over here and they're going to keep this telephone number and they're going to keep these friends kind of out on the fringe just in case things in the house of God aren't going exactly the way I want them to. Can I tell you something this morning? If you don't go whole hog in living for God, it won't ever work out for you. If you're going to live for God, you've got to give it everything you've got. You can't have a hedge fund. You can't keep certain clothes set aside in your closet just in case you might backslide someday. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just keep my big screen television. You know, I paid a lot of money for that. I'll just put it back in the attic just in case. Just in case about Super Bowl time, I don't feel like going to church. They got a little hedge fund set up. I'm going to keep that jewelry. You know, I paid a lot of money for it. That's expensive stuff. I, you know, I'll just put it away in a hope chest. And it's a hedge fund. Just in case. Just in case. I'll, I'll keep my Facebook account. I'll put it inactive, but just in case. I'll keep my little black book just in case when I turn 18 or whatever. Just in case it doesn't work out. It won't ever work out. If you approach living for God with that kind of mentality, it will never work out. You will never reach your potential, and you will always be frustrated. The people I've met in my life, and I've pastored long enough now to know the people that, that are frustrated. Things just don't ever work out for them. They're people they got a little hedge fund set up. They've got ideas and plans that just in case, just in case this doesn't work out, 
But listen to what Jesus said. Amen. In this passage of Scripture in Luke chapter number 9, and it came to pass that when they went in their way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. And he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at my home, at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You can change your mind about a lot of things. You can change your mind about your future education, about your career, or who you might be interested in, or what your favorite car manufacturer might be, what your favorite computer might be, amen, what your favorite color might be. But there's one thing that you cannot change your mind about, and that is living for God. That has got to be settled. It's got to be firm. And it's got to be your only investment. We sing about it. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My investment is somewhere else. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. James put it like this. He said, but let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Not just part of it. Not just one or two things. I'm telling you when it comes to living for God, if you are double-minded, you will be unstable in all of your ways. I'm preaching about getting rid of the hedge fund mentality. Until you get rid of that mentality, you will always struggle. You will always struggle. You will always find things to be critical about if you have the hedge fund mentality. You'll try to pick apart this and pick apart that. And you'll find fault with this and find fault with that. But let me tell you, when you put everything you got into it, all of a sudden it becomes your possession. You don't find fault. You try to make it better. You try to improve it. When you get that hedge fund mentality starting, you halt along and you're unstable in all of your ways financially. Planning out your future, you're unstable. Nothing works out. What, what was it that Jesus said? I would that you were either cold or hot. 
but because you're, there's something God hates lukewarmness. He hates it when people cannot make up their mind. He'd rather you be out in the world than coming to church backslid. He said, I would you were either cold or hot. Make up your mind. Pull in all your investments and make one investment. Boy, I feel this for some reason. I'm telling you, I was getting ready to leave the room, and, and, and what I was working on just didn't feel right. But this, this, this has got me this morning. I'm preaching to us, get rid of the hedge fund. Get rid of the hedge fund. Get rid of the hedge fund. Don't thumb through the periodicals of today, looking at all this lifestyle, amen, and secretly wishing, oh, I wish I had that, and I, I wish I could be like that, and I wish I could do those things. No, live for God with all of your heart, and watch what God will do for you. Amen. Praise God. When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. One thing. One thing. You know, she did not compliment him. For all of the things that he had done. He pointed out the one thing that he had not. This is just my experience, Brother Reagan, but in pastoring, I found that, that people come, boy, they, they love church. They love it. They love it. They get in. They start living for God. And, and if it wasn't for that one thing, the pastor was just so adamant about. Boy, I could really live for God, Brother Brandon. If it wasn't for that one thing, if he would just let up on that one thing. I'm probably preaching to people here today that if it wasn't for that one thing, you could really live for God. Jesus had a knack for putting his finger on the one thing. He, he, didn't, he didn't compliment him on all the other things that he had done right. He just pointed out the one thing that he wasn't doing right. Can you let God point out that one thing this morning? Say, 
you know what, if you just deal with this one area of your life, if you would just deal with this, you could reach your potential. Amen. Let me give you a hint this morning. If you would deal with that, you would find the happiness that you are lacking. You would find the fulfillment, the satisfaction that always seems to be escaping you if you'll deal with that one thing today. If you'll get rid of that hedge fund and deal with the one thing. Boy, it doesn't take much to get you off track. It does not take much to keep you unfulfilled. All it took. Boy, he had it going together. I'm telling you. I I wish I pastored saints that just had one thing. Just one thing. Jesus said, one thing thou lackest. Go thy way and sell whatsoever thou hast. And give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come take up the cross and follow me. And he said, uh, and he was sad at that saying. And went away grieved for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples. How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. It was just one thing. Just one one thing amen notice in matthew chapter number 19 verse number 27 then answered peter and said unto him behold we have forsaken all and followed thee and what shall we have therefore and jesus said unto them verily i say unto you that ye which have followed me In the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last in the last shall be first. Amen. Let me tell you if you just keep living for God with everything you got, there's coming a payday. There is coming a payday. When that investment you have made is going to pay big dividends. My wife and I attended the funeral of a precious saint of God on Tuesday night. And I thought about Sister Wilkins. She had a lot of things to overcome in her life. When she was very young, she had four boys. She suddenly found herself the sole provider of the home for those four boys. She had no formal education that would qualify her to get a good paying job. There were a lot of struggles, a lot of things she had to live through and endure. But she was faithful to God. She lived for God. 
And I, I remember many, many, many uh, services coming early and seeing Sister Wilkins sitting back there praying long time before the main group of saints got there. And as we were notified of her passing, the thought came through my mind. I wish I could ask Sister Wilkins one question. And that is, was it worth it all? Sister Wilkins, now that you stand on streets of gold and you see walls of jasper that have gates of pearls, tell me, Sister Wilkins, all the struggles you went through, the pain, the suffering, the misunderstandings, the hurt, was it worth it? If we were somehow to be transported beyond the veil today, I think we could hear a resounding yes. It was worth every trouble, every trial, every toil, amen, that I ever went through. I'm preaching this morning, get rid of that hedge fund mentality because paydays are coming. Payday's coming. There's fixing to be a payday on your investment. there's somebody here struggling today well I don't know if church is really if this is really what I want I'm going to tell you today that it is really what you want amen it's just your hedge fund amen you're watching it rise amen in the market today and it's causing you confusion amen you're thinking oh my goodness look at what the hedge fund's doing maybe I ought to take my investment and put it all in there I'm telling you get rid of the hedge fund and put all your money in living for God put all of your finance Put all of it in one thing, and that's living for God. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter number 3, he said in verse number 4, Though I make, or excuse me, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he have whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. You think you have something to boast about? Paul said, I have more. He said, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and the Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. Everything that I had done, he was the best of the best, the top of the top. The best and the brightest of the Pharisees. But he said, all of those things which were gained to me, I counted loss. I counted it loss. And then just skipping down a few verses to the 13th verse he says brethren I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do forgetting the things which are behind me 
I don't know how much it cost his parents to send him to the school of Gamaliel. The doctor at law. It must have been like sending your child to Yale or Harvard or Princeton or Cambridge or Oxford. It must have been that equivalent. Well, I, I don't even I don't even want to guess what it would cost to send my kids to Harvard. I know what it costs to send them to McDonald's for crying out loud. The untold thousands. And the apostle Paul, he pointed out, I had the right pedigree. I had the right education. I had everything going for me. But those things that look good on my resume, I count them as lost. And I forget those things which are behind me. And reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Forget the pedigree. Forget the education. Forget the famous family name. Forget those things which are behind and reach forth unto those things which are before and press toward the mark. But verse number 15, I've quoted this verse of scripture so many times preach from it preach you services bless God young people forget those things which are behind and reach forth into those things which are before we think about it all and and I've always missed verse number 15 till the other day and it says let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded and if anything in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. We've got to have that same mind. We may live in 2014, and we we, we we got to have a good education to get a good job. Well, you almost have to have a college degree to work at Burger King nowadays. I understand that. We got to do. We 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 have to. If you're going to make it, you got to have a good job. You got to be able to support your family. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not denigrating or minimizing those things. But we better focus on the one thing that's important. All of those things, that college degree, that education, that whatever, 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 that status in the company you work for, amen. You better be willing to count it all loss that you gain the most important thing. That you gain the most important thing because that diploma is going to melt with a fervent heat. All that 401k and that retirement program and those investments, it will melt with a fervent heat. And you're going to find, amen, that everything that mattered didn't matter. I read this the other day and I have found it to be true. It said the United States of America is number one in everything that doesn't matter. We're number one in everything that does not matter. We better be number one in the thing that is number one, and that's him. That is him. Where's your investment today?
Where is your investment today? What have you invested in? Is your investment in the kingdom of God? The apostle Paul, he left it all behind. He's willing to throw it all away. The status. If you read some of the biography of the apostle Paul and what some of the sages said about him and his contemporaries, he, he was a prodigy child. Everybody knew Saul of Tarsus. But on the road to Damascus, when a blinding light shone round about, and he lifted up his eyes and said, Who art thou, Lord? In a moment of time, all of his investment strategy changed. And he left it all behind. And as he... He came out of that world and was reaching forth unto those things which were before him. There were young men that coalesced around him. And he had influence on them. Timothy was one. In fact, he would say of Timothy, I, I have no man like-minded as Timothy. But there was another that walked with him, and his name was Demas. But in the end, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says, For Demoth has forsaken me. He hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. You missed something there, Demas. You missed something. You didn't catch it. The Apostle Paul left it all behind. And you, Demas are caught up in the now. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Folks, I'm not living for this present world. I'm not living for right now. I don't live this way for right now. Now, it does have benefits right now. But I'm living for the future. Demas got caught up with right now, this present world. Paul was saying, no, I'm forsaking those things. I'm throwing them behind me because it's not this present world. It's the world to come. What is the purpose of your investment? They say the people that lose money in the market are the short-term investors. A few years ago, they had this this day trading uh, phenomenon. Anybody ever heard of day trading? And, and you, you would go in and you would leverage heavy in the markets for that day and you would, you would try to catch it just right and, and, and you would make millions in one day. Most people lost millions in one day. In fact, I had a friend, have a friend, that was involved in this. And he looked at me one day and he said, Brother Myers, he said, I'm going to tell you, there is no feeling like losing a substantial amount of money in a very short time. The people that lose money in the market are the people that are day traders. 
I'm going to put my money in, and tomorrow I expect the dividends. They say that that's the worst investment strategy you could have because you generally end up losing it all. But the people that make money in the market are those that are in it for the long haul. They're not investing for right now. They may be 30 years old, but they put $250 of their paycheck into that mutual fund. And they're not expecting to retire tomorrow. But 30 years from now, I'm expecting to return. Folks, I'm going to tell you Jesus is coming. Hey, I'm telling you, we have heartache and toil and trouble. In this world, uh, we, we could have testimony services here today, and all of us have trouble and toil. And I'll guarantee you, there's not very many of us that wanted to get up this morning. We're tired out, weary. But you know why I got up this morning? It was not just because of today, it's because the trumpet's gonna sound one day. I'm not investing for today. My investment is down the road. When I hear that trumpet sound. <laughs> Would you stand with me this morning? I'm preaching about getting rid of the hedge fund mentality. Getting rid of the hedge fund mentality. Come on, do you have something set up on the side? A hope, an investment that just in case it doesn't work out living for God, I can always do this. I can always do that. Let me get to my text. Jesus was teaching about his body and his blood. There were some of the disciples that were there. They, they heard this and they said, this is an hard saying who can hear it and when Jesus knew within himself that his disciples murmured at it he said unto them doth this offend you what and if you shall see the son of man ascend up where he was before it is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profiteth nothing the words that I speak unto you they are spirit and they are life but there are some of you that believe not for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. And from that time, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They'd kept their houses. They'd kept their fields. They'd kept their lands. Against just this kind of situation. This is a hard saying. You mean you preach against social networking? That's a hard saying. Before you think I'm meddling, isn't it interesting? I read the other day, and not in some fringe news 
article, but in a prominent news article, one-third of divorces in the United States of America reference Facebook. Hello? One-third? And you think I'm crazy for preaching against it? It's a hard say. I'm going to tell you some of the things that we preach and the parameters we set. When viewed from the outside, they look like hard sayings. But what safeguards? Boy, it's quiet here this morning. That's a hard saying. What, what, what do you mean you don't want us going here? Man, everybody's going. That's hard. There were some of the people that walked with Jesus. When they heard him teach, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And they walked no more with him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve. And he said, will you also go away? They heard the same thing. They heard the same message. And he turned to his disciples and he said, you're going to go away also? Now Simon Peter, he could really get things wrong. He was always getting it wrong. But he always got it right on the things that mattered. He was always sticking his foot in his mouth. Speaking out of turn. Except when it came to things that really mattered. And when Jesus said, will you go away also? Simon Peter, without hesitation, said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Where would we go? You know what that means to me, brother? That means they'd already sold everything. They'd sold the fields. They'd sold the houses. They'd walked away from the business and the ships and the nets. Where would we go? We only have one investment. There's no hedge fund for us to return to. It may be a hard thing, but where else would we go? Thou hast the words. Where are we going to go? We've sold it all. We've made one investment. Boy, I feel this this morning. I'm preaching to somebody. It's been eight years since I've been here. I don't know anything, but I know what I can feel in my spirit this morning. Somebody, you need to cash in that hedge fund and take that money out of there. Even if you have to sell it at a loss, you need to take that out and put it in this investment. I'm living for God. 
Get rid of that hedge fund before it messes up your thinking, messes up your life, and ultimately messes up your eternity. Boy, I feel this today. Come on, why don't you pray with me right now a moment? Come on, God, help me. Help me, God. I don't want to have anything on the side that would detract me from what my real goal is. Where else would we go? Where else would we go? Jesus, thou hast the words of eternal life. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on, maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're on the fence this morning. What, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? Let me give you a hint. Just live for God. Sell out. Don't let there be one thing that keeps you. Hallelujah. I feel like doing this this morning. Why don't you step out? Why don't we all make our way and just stand around this front? I, I feel like we need to make a vow. God, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm in it for the long haul. I'm not going to have a hedge fund. I'm not going to have something set up on the side. Where would we go? Jesus, you've got the only thing that really matters. You've got the words of eternal life. Come on, why don't you reinvest this morning? Come on, why don't you reinvest with Jesus this morning? Why don't you give him your all in all this morning? Come on, Lord, this is the only thing that matters. This is the only thing that matters. Come on, no man can serve two masters. Come on, you can't serve too. God, I'm making a vow this morning. I'm going to live for you no matter the cost, no matter the requirement. I'm going to live for you. struggling this morning. Give Jesus your all. The devil doesn't want to mess with somebody who's got a made up mind. Come on, the devil doesn't want to fight with people that have made up their mind.
warfare. When those five to six million Aztecs looked down in that little harbor, they saw smoldering wreckage of those ships. The collective thought must have been, uh-oh, they're here to stay. I want to tell you, there's something about dealing with that one thing. You may have been struggling, 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 but when you burn the ships, it, it sends hell a message, uh-oh, they're not leaving this time to find the joy for living for God, you just go ahead and burn the ships. And all of a sudden, you'll find the things that you thought you were missing out on. There's something about it when the enemy sees they're not leaving now. They leave off. Might as well move on. No sense tempting them anymore. No sense tormenting them. They're in it for the long haul. I say today, why don't we burn those ships? Don't we send a message to hell today? We're not going anywhere. We came to stay. We came to church to stay. We started living for God to go to heaven. I'm telling you, if you'll burn those ships, you'll find the joy tonight. You'll find happiness. You'll find what you thought you were missing out on. Too much investing. 
our hands to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. I got my mind made up, Lord. I've got my mind made up, Lord. Hallelujah. As he was preaching today, I was reminded of an old song I hadn't heard in quite a while. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. It's amazing how that works when you really get your eyes on Jesus. How insignificant everything else becomes. You know, I've said it many times, but Heaven is going to be cheap at any price. Benefits, glories, things that God is going to do just to know that he's going to wipe the tears from our eyes. To know there's no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow. I don't care what price I have to pay to get there. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing. You ever try to go to Disney World? Their current tickets, how much, how much is it to get in the gate? $55 or $60 per person just to walk in the gate. $55 to $60 per person or more. 90. That's what I was thinking. I thought it was closer to 90. You probably got some discount tickets somewhere. Leave it to my son-in-law. He's going to find the discounts. But I was thinking that if you just go to buy a ticket, it's about 90 bucks is what I thought. But whatever it is, $60 is. But, but you know what? It seems like about every year or two they go up a little bit. But you know why they do it? Because they know people are going to keep coming. Whatever the price is, people still pay it and get in. And uh, so they just keep raising it. You know, you may try to go next year. It may be 150, but people will still pay it and they'll still go. And yet, how many times have I known of children of God that looked at one small little thing and said, no, I'm not willing to pay that price. I'm not willing to do that. And Michael last night, and he was talking about somebody that he was had been talking to, and they just told him, said, Oh, said, your rules are just too strict. They're just too strict. You know what? I'm gonna tell you what, whatever rule, whatever rule God set in his word, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna obey that. I'm gonna follow that. It's it's not too strict to get to heaven. You understand where we're trying to go? I'm not trying to get in Disney World, I'm trying to get to heaven. And whatever it costs me, it's it's going to be worth it when I get there. And by the other token, hell's going to be expensive. Whatever it was you hung on to that sent you there, it's not worth that. It's not worth that. And you know, 
I've said this to the people who had things they wouldn't give up. I just can't give up my cigarettes. I can't give up my alcohol. I can't. Well, you know, in case you hadn't figured it out, you're going to give it up when you get to hell. You're not taking that with you. So you will give it up. But how much better to give it up now and go to heaven? Because I don't know. I, I can't prove this by Scripture. This is strictly my opinion. This and six bucks will buy you some coffee in some places. But my opinion, my opinion, I think when I think when an alcoholic gets to hell, I think part of hell is going to be that he's still going to have the cravings for his alcohol. I think that drug addict is still going to have the cravings when he gets to hell, but he can't satisfy them. I believe that's part of the torment. That's just me. I can't prove it, but that's just me. I just think it's going to be there. It seems to me that rich man had all of his faculties, all of his senses. He felt pain. He knew the facts. He knew everything that was going on. So I just kind of have a feeling. It's, it's just not going to be worth it. I'm going to tell you, I'd rather, I'd rather just, and, and, and I'm going to tell you this too. I would rather get to heaven and God look at me and say, you didn't have to give that up to get here. Right? I mean, I'd much rather God say, that that wasn't necessary. And I'm going to say, but I made it, right? Right. That's all I need to get. I, I don't care. I don't care. So I paid an extra price. I don't care. I made it. I'd rather do too much. Because I only get one chance. I only get one chance. There's no reincarnation. There's no coming back. There's not even a second bus. In spite of what Tim LaHaye tried to tell everybody. There's not a second bus. You get left behind, too bad. You're left behind. Amen. I don't want to be left behind. I want to go when the trumpet sounds. I want to be ready when the trumpet sounds. Praise God. Amen. I enjoyed the stories too. I'm not, but they just weren't biblically accurate. That's all. Amen. Praise God. They just weren't right. But he made enough money off of it. So his pocketbook didn't get left behind, did it? Uh, but anyhow, praise God. Thank you, Brother Myers. Thank you for just obeying the Holy Ghost today. I, I want to be right with God. I want to be right with God. Amen. Forty-two years since I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's a long time, you know it? Forty-two years, that's a long time. But when I prayed through 42 years ago, I didn't start out for it to be just a short-term experience. I didn't get in the church just to be in the church for a little while until something better came along. When I went to that altar and I cried those tears of repentance, my mind was made up. I'm in this thing to the end. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, when I die, let me die speaking in tongues. 
Let me die praising God. Let me die worshiping Him. That's the way I feel about it. I, I intend to do this to my last breath. And then when I don't need breath anymore, I'm going to just start it all over again. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Above all else, I must be saved. I must be saved. God bless you this morning. Amen. Tonight, let's be here at least by 530 to pray again. Let's seek the face of the Lord. Let's, let's get in here and believe God. Let's believe God for an outpouring of his spirit. God lays somebody on your heart this afternoon to call and invite, then call and invite them. Or stop by their house and extend an invitation to them. And bring them to the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm ready to see somebody pray through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what it's all about. At some point, at some point, we're going to have to just settle that one thing and start reaching everybody else. Quit living for God, hanging by a thread, and just make up our mind. We're in this thing, and now it's time for me to find somebody else that needs God. And I'm going I'm to see them come and give their life to God as well. Praise God. 5.30 prayer, 6 o'clock service. Amen. We're going to have a great time tonight. Brother and Sister Myers will be back with us again. Hallelujah. Any other announcements, anything? All right. God bless you. Greet one another in the fear of God. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.